AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Recording in progress. Recording in progress. All right, y'all. Welcome to Hood Politics with Prop. This is a fun episode. I got everyone's favorite uh, connect here, uh, Robert Evans. I, I, I swear to you, you would be the greatest plug. Oh, like if you lived I mean, in the inner city. I have been occasionally. <laughs> yeah, you'd be the greatest plug because number one, you're fearless. And number two, it's like you you seem to be able to get your hands on anything. I mean, you know, I... I I, f- I used to be a lot more fearful of that sort of shit. Like it was a nice, uh, it, maybe this is just being a white guy, but leaving the deep South for California and the West coast, it was like, Oh, suddenly I'm way less scared about driving drugs around in my car. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty true. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to open up the well before I, before I go to this story, I want to ask you a question just off the head that I feel like, I feel like it would be a fun exercise. Right now, off the head, can you think of as many like nickname terms for guns right now? Just off the head. How many nicknames can you think of? Just rattle them off. A uh, heater, a strap, a piece. Uh, I mean, nicknames, not like just like a sidearm, um, uh, a, a, a bang stick, um, boomstick. Um, boomstick. Yeah. Uh, Blicky burner chopper, you know what I'm saying? Chopper, oh yeah, okay. yeah. I just yeah, burner I, and heater. I feel yeah, that's those those are cousins. Yeah, yeah, burner and heater. I just think yeah. I, there is. <clears throat> I don't know if there's anything besides like sex and guns that has more nicknames. Yeah, I've always been partial to strap. I don't know why, but that's the one that I I find most satisfying. 
I think say. strap helps. I think strap like in a lot of ways. I also feel like the slang you turn you use for your gun has a lot to do with like the year you graduated high school. Yes. You know I what I'm saying? That. Yeah. Yeah, like the you know what I'm saying? So like yeah, strap is like yeah, you listen to '90s rap. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? That's yes, why. Yes, exactly. That's why. You, that's why you <laughs> yeah. say strap. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. You know, don't make me have to grab my strap and go rat tat tat tat. If it's chopper, it's like, well, you you've listened to southern rap. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like you were into trap music, so you you know. Anyway, and then there's Blicky, which is what Blicky. I'm naming. Now that's these, a, I haven't heard that one. Blicky, Blicky is what the young boys use. You know, it's this, really. Yeah, it's your blicky. You know, a what lot of times. What is what is the etymology? Because all the others, heater, obviously it's hot, right? A strap, because mm-hmm. you like strap a gun on. You know, uh, a piece is obvious. Like, what is what is a blicky? I have no idea, Robert. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll be okay, honest with so, you. So you have, have no, no idea, idea where it came from. from. Okay. I just heard the little homie say it. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, I never know with with the kids slang. I never know if they're just fucking with us, right? Like if there is like, a what possibility. If we, what if we trick the old people into thinking Blicky was a thing? All right, all right. Producer here, producer here. Blicky means a pistol. To blick someone down is to gun them down. The term Blicky has been used by every uh, top forty rap artist you've ever listened to in the last five years. Oh, okay. That makes I know. sense. Now, now to that blick, you say okay. to blick, that makes sense. So, it's it, like, yeah, so they blick, turned a verb yeah. into an adverb or a verb into a, a noun. Yeah, I totally it's get like, it. It's like calling it a gat because it's like, yeah, gat, 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 like that's yeah, the yeah, sound. Gat. Yeah. I forgot about okay. gat. Yeah. yeah. That makes See? sense. It's, There's yeah, so we, many slangs. Right. There's a lot of slang for guns. Yeah. Because of uh, uh, the obvious love affair that all of America has for guns. Boy, like, we sure do love guns. God, we love these things. We love guns more than maybe any other country has ever loved like a thing that isn't bread or some sort of dipping oil. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. There's just anything that's not food or condiment yeah. or, yeah. Because yeah. the way Americans love guns is like is like the way French people love their bread or like in Thailand they love that like chili oil that they, they put in stuff or like, like it's, it's like... It, yeah. it's, it's a kind it's a comprehensive love that is normally reserved for foodstuffs yes that <laughs> is that a foodstuff that is like such a like a stand-in for your national and cultural identity you know what i'm saying like like kimchi is a stand-in right for what it means to be from this part of the world it's feel like yeah, but yeah, it's the same way like hummus, right? Like there's hummus, this massive yeah. conflict over hummus in 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 Palestine with yeah. Israelis. Anyway, I'm not gonna get into that, but like it's there's a there's so much identity wrapped up in food, and in America, yeah. it's like guns. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not like this is our this is our Nigerian jollof rice is uh yeah our guns. <laughs> this is a Glock 19. <laughs> yes, this is a Glock 19. We just love them things. Mm-hmm. Um. Which is just a, a matter of observation, not of evaluation. Anyway, so since this is hood politics, it must start with some sort of connection to uh, inner city hood living. I'm going to tell y'all a story and then get into what we actually want to talk about. And I would imagine, Robert, in some way, shape or form, you may have a similar sort of memory. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the same, but similar. So I grew up, You people heard this many times, you've heard this many times, I grew up in east side of South Central and then over to an area called the San Gabriel Valley, predominantly Latino area. But what comes with being 
in a lot of ways, just a person of color is we still went to church every Sunday. Right. And in going to church, you know, our churches were very different than sort of white Western evangelical that was worried about like purity culture and, you know, nationalism and stuff like that. They was just like, don't join a gang and don't get nobody pregnant. That was the extent of our youth ministry. That being said, we went off to youth camp, right? So we did summer camp like every other little white wonder bread, you know, church. We did youth camp like everybody else. The only difference is youth camp costs too much. But every year, I know this now as an adult, every year that like summer camp place used to do a week that was a third of the price, right? So that now all the inner city churches can go. Which I didn't know that. I thought I was. I thought I, I thought it cost the same as everybody else. I used to wonder why we would go to youth camp and it'd just be hood. Like it would mm-hmm. just be like a bunch of just rival gangs, rival neighborhoods. Because we just we were the inner city churches. I had no idea. That's how it worked. That's just how it worked. So anyway, red youth camp. Uh, you know, dudes is like stacking on each other like you stacking is like showing gang signs whatever right but either way you know everyone's having different experiences some people are having a good time some people aren't some people not involved in none of this stuff whatever the case may be this is the way sort of a youth camp went so there was one year that there was these boys that i met that you know went to another church like cross town whatever who decided most of them decided that they just ain't like me Right. For whatever reason, uh, I just happen to be their target. Right. Which I know you understand that. Did somebody yeah, just decide yeah. they don't like you? I don't know why. They just don't. So once they decided that uh, any anything I ever did was funny, a joke, whatever the case may be. Right now. I, now, at my church, I mean, we got some G's. You know what I'm saying? Like we got some brothers that are like not even paying that no attention because they know if it go down like uh, we We'll mop the floor with these dudes. So like, don't even, you don't even need to acknowledge the fact that they cracking jokes about you because if it come down to it, I beat the shit out of these boys, right? So that's kind of like the attitude of my little like sort of seventh, eighth grade group of guys. Mm -hmm. Anyway, last night of those guys, and wait, before I say that, of those guys, there was like one or two of them that like I actually made friends with, right? That we were cracking jokes they loved hip-hop like i did whatever 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 the case may be i kind of made friends with two of them at one point at the end of the last night i was headed to the bathroom and it's camp right so it's like a big old shared bathroom situation right so i was headed to the bathroom and i could see the group of dudes behind me kind of walking a little further behind me right now as i was headed to the bathroom the two that were my friends caught up to me right and we're just talking, whatever, whatever. Hey, where do you, you know, hey, so, you know, when y'all bust leaving, whatever, whatever. So we're just talking about that. And then he whispers, don't go in the bathroom. Oh, and shit. then just kept talking, you oh, know? Boy. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he was just like, he's just like real quick nod, like, don't go in there, don't go in there. So I was like, he goes, oh, but if you, or he's just whispering, if you go in, just go right back out, right? So, so I was like, oh, they finna jump me. They're gonna jump me in the bathroom, right? So at first I was like, I scared of these fools. You know what I'm saying? That's my first yeah, thought. Yeah, yeah. Fuck right. Them. Right. Yeah. But then, but then I looked behind me and I was like, dang, it's actually a lot of y'all, you know? And I wasn't yeah. with none of I wasn't with none of my boys. Like I was just walking by myself. So I was like, by the time any of my friends get here, 
I probably had a couple concussions. Yeah, so I was the, like, the way fights work, if your fighting experience comes from movies, is it is that if you're one person and there's multiple people, <laughs> you're going to lose the fight, right? Like yes. it doesn't really even matter. Like training, whatever. Every now and then you get somebody who's like a freak at that, but you're generally you're just going to get your ass beat. Yes, they're yeah. not going to attack you one on one. They're not. It's not in single file that they attack yeah, like movies. Yeah. No, you gonna get piled on. You're just right. gonna get wailed. Yes. And I'm like, it's urinals, it's toilet. Yeah. Like, I'm no, like, I'm, no, no, no. A lot fam. of nasty stuff can happen. At a yeah, I'm not going fight. in there. So that's what I did. I just went in and went out. Right. Mm-hmm. And I sure. didn't look back until I was far enough away. And I saw all them dudes looking out the other door and then looking back at their homies that the guys that that gave me the clue. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't hear what they saying, but I could see them kind of being like basically like what the fuck man like you know what i'm saying and yeah. them being like oh i don't know you know about right right whatever just them playing it cool like i don't know like whatever you know all that to say even though they their group of people decided that this is the way we felt about this dude there's no way of telling that if everybody actually felt that way, because it's possible that more than just those two dudes was like, why are we, why do we even care about this fool? Like what, what difference does it make what he's doing or not doing? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But the rules are you just can't speak up because even if you do, even if you like, I'm down for the hood, I'm down for the set, but like, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know why we, why we so worried about that. Actually, I think, I kind of think some of this is stupid. You know what I'm saying? But you're not going to say nothing. You're not allowed to say nothing. But, but what, what happens is oftentimes you're not the only one that feel that way. Matter of fact, most of y'all feel that way. And then what the homie uh, Jojo, what the homie Jojo said is sometimes some of the stuff like that the set got to do is because just because your OG like got his feelings hurt from some girl and now y'all got a beef with this block, but it's really just because your OG just got his feelings hurt from some girl. And like, right. but nobody's saying nothing. You know what I'm saying? Because you got to follow whatever that person was saying to do because they in charge yeah i mean no that like everything works that way like to a degree like that's that's like uh why a lot of like you can you could get on twitter and see like what the what the rage machine is like going after every day and half the time it's like it's shit like that it's like somebody somebody had a beef with somebody else and so now everybody's angry at like a whole group of people, right? Like it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's history too. It's like, it's the fucking, it's world war one, right? <laughs> yeah. No, nobody wanted to go in, but like somebody fucked with like somebody else's friend. And so uh, now we all got to get in. Yeah. yeah. And now we all like it, it snowballs. Like one dude gets fucking clapped. And like, because of that, it winds up being 20 million people get fucking clapped. Like that's the way the, the people work, right? It's like the it's, way the it, people work. The psychology isn't any different when it's like a neighborhood as opposed to, you know, the, the Hohenzollern empire. Right. <laughs> exactly. And also the way that the NRA has a death grip on the right wing. There we go. There that's we where go. we're at. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about. Yeah. I want to talk about this uh, this uh, research that from Michael, Dr. Michael Siegel, uh, yeah, Siegel from Tufts University did, where he surveyed 
the way that he's like right wing Republican NRA, you know, gun supporting people actually feel about restrictions on the Second Amendment. Yeah. And that and why ain't nobody saying nothing? Well, yeah, that's a that's a that's a broad topic, right? Because it really like, is um, an awful lot of I mean, this is something that that gets brought up, perhaps not enough, but like a ton of different restrictions. Like when, when you talk about stuff like assault weapons, bans and whatnot, um, like bans on specific weapons or even things like mm-hmm. mag caps, it gets a lot more controversial. But there's a bunch of stuff that like gun owners are broadly supportive of. And there's like which like universal background checks. And then yes. there's stuff that gun owners are supportive of depending on how you bring it up to them, right? Like yes. red flag laws have been heavily politicized. Um, and so if you say like, do you support red flag laws? In a lot of gun owners' heads, they'll think about whatever it is Fox News warned them the red flag laws were. Yeah. were. But if you say like, hey, if some dude like beats the shit out of his wife and kids, should he be able to buy a gun? They'll be like, of course not. Right. So yeah, like, that's it, a red flag like, law. Yeah. 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 And uh, I'm uh, one of the most important things that the NRA has done over the last there. I mean, it's been like 40 years, but it's mm-hmm. really escalated since since about 2000. Um, one of the most important things they've done is m- flatten any kind of discussion about gun control to confiscation of all guns versus nothing. Right. Yes. Um, and if you can, this is this is not. The NRA pioneered this, and yeah. we talk about this in an episode, a three-parter on Behind the Bastards coming up. They, they're not the only thing that this has done. Basically, the idea is that the the right wing recognized early on and, and really started moving towards this in the 1970s, that the best thing to do was to build single-issue voters um, whose yep. single issue was something they would not compromise on and that the Republican Party would make central to their um, to their activism. Abortion is one of these, right? Yes. Um, guns is another. And the beauty of a single issue voter is you don't have to improve their lives. You don't have to like fix anything. You don't have to be good in any aspect of governing. All you have to do is stand with them on that single issue. You and either you fly do, this flag or you don't. Exactly, exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, that is disastrous, has been disastrous for the concept of democracy. It's been disastrous for like the potential future of the human species. But it's very smart politics. Like this is objectively good politics. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. You've 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 already gotten to the punchline of the, of the show, which is great. Yeah. Um, so let's let's uh, let's uh, reverse engineer the point that Robert just made, which is the point of this episode which yeah. is you create a person into a single issue voter either you down with us or you not down with us right and it works you know uh so like you said there are four laws that according to this research uh that would probably drop gun deaths by 35 percent, and they say that like 70% of gun owners would actually support this if it's presented to them correctly. Like you said, yeah. uh, the the permit requirements, red flag laws, uh, universal background, background checks. But yeah, the idea of like, if a person has a history of violence, probably sh- 
probably shouldn't. Yeah, man, if you're fucking hitting your kid, like, right, that's not a, you have a, you have a right. A lot yes. of people who are pro-gun control don't like to talk about it this way, but you do. You have a human right to own a firearm. So of course. if you're talking about restricting people's human rights, which you are with gun control, you have to be careful about how you do it because among other things, that can, the consequences of that can extend beyond guns because yes. that's the way that like jurisprudence works. Yes. But- it's pretty well established that if you do violence to people, you can lose certain rights. And broadly speaking, we all seem to be fine with that. Right? Yeah. Like, like yeah. that's just, this is just, yeah, it's like, this is what, what, for some reason, I don't know why the Democrats don't know how to talk, but when they say things like common sense laws, like the fact that when it comes out of their mouth, it sounds condescending, but it's what it is. It's like, no, for real. Like we do this all the time. If you violate certain social codes, yeah. you kind of don't get those rights that are expected of those who participate in society. You know? Yeah. And if, if I could have notes for them, like one of the things would be when you're trying to talk about this, don't use terms. If you call it a red flag lock, right? Right. Yeah. Then the the right wing media can take that and describe define a red flag law the way they do, which is like, oh, they're going to define being conservative as like, you know, a red yes. flag and, and whatnot. Yes. And then they're going to take your gun. If you, if you instead say, we should take guns away from people who hit their spouses and kids, right? Easy. Hard to fucking argue with. Easy. What Hard are you going to say? Hard to fucking argue yeah. with. Yeah. And it but, gets to the core of what you're trying to do, right? Yes. Um, yes. But what, but what radicalization does is what yeah. you explain is you boil it down to a sense of what we're getting to. You boil it down to a sense of identity. This yeah. that this thing is a stand-in for who we are. Right? right. So to abridge that is to abridge me as a person. Exactly. You know, and that's uh, uh, a lot of times even in in like inner city outreach when we tell you, you know what I'm saying, you trying to get this kid to drop his flag and it's like you're asking me to drop who I am. Right. You know, and then but there's a lot of work into understanding. I, I, I understand where your brain goes with that. I understand the history of your relationship to this thing. However, <laughs> it does not have to be this way. Right. Yeah. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Mother's Day is coming, and Mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. 
Get Mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get Mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit bartesian.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. So yeah, you know about your boy uh, Harlan Carter? Yes, uh, we're again we're doing like a three parter on oh. bastards about him. Yeah, Har- okay, Harlan Har- about Har- him specifically. Har- yeah, he is okay. he is one of the most important people yes. to know about to understand how we got here. He really yeah. he's like I think he's one of those names that like yeah, bro. Like you make a movie about him where it's like his effect on the life we live now the fact that there isn't more content on him is either a proves his brilliance or b is like oh y'all we missed a biggie you know because of who he is now uh i could do i got notes on him but you about to do that terms like seems like this is a promo for one of the ones you got coming up now since apparently you doing that uh I mean, you could run i could do a quick overview you could do a quick overview it's up to you yeah i've just done it um okay so yeah, let's 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 have you hit it, and because um, I'm interested in talking about him in the context of like he 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 what he did to the NRA to take it over, and it's not obviously his his part part of what I think is important about the story of Harlan Carter is that like he hits both the militarization of the police and yes. the birth of, of American gun culture as yes. it exists. Yes. Um, which is crucially important, but like the way he, the way he whipped things together in the NRA is um, it was, it was some fucking hood politics. You it know? really was. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So pre 1977 NRA was not the NRA that we know of, you know, started off, at the end of what was the Civil War, right? Was yeah, it end of the, the Civil War? End of the Civil War. It was like, all right, you got these like hotheads that kind of don't really know how to shoot. You know what I'm saying? And like, okay, listen, man, 
teach you how to shoot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Take care of your it, weapons. It came out of a fundamentally good place, which yeah. is like, boy, I wish I wish our northern inner city kids were better at shooting Confederates. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That was which it. Is, which is a noble goal. Yes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Where it's just like, look, man, this is how you hold a gun. You feel me? Uh, you know, this is yeah. how you aim. This is what you do. This is how you take care of your gun. Just normal gun safety, you know. Yeah, and basic marksmanship. Basic yeah. marksmanship. You know what I'm saying? And uh, and obviously, like, the idea of, like, none of them were, like, what we would call Second Amendment absolutists. Like, no, because the Second Amendment, no one talked about it. No one talked like, about it. It was yeah. a bare, it was a, it was, there had not, there was not up until fairly recently, like, within the 20th century, the Supreme Court, like, basically didn't touch the Second. Um, it was, like, it was not, like, a big, and part of this is that, Everyone like guns were not restricted very much in many places in the West, right? Um, Because they just weren't an individual firearm was not yet particularly threatening, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then into the Black Panthers. Right. (laughs) (laughs) There's a. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. Please give your bit. And then I'll I'll, I'll say the thing I was going to say. Yeah. Into the Black Panthers, which was like, just like what happens with everything America does, once black people realize it's like, oh, wait, we could do that too. Then everybody goes, wait, hold on now. Oh, wait, 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 yep. hold on now. Right. So uh an interesting example of this, seeing how we're in our, our midterm and you know, out here in Cali, we just sent off our um our uh, our primary ballots. Uh funny thing about the end of mass slavery uh in the beginning of reconstruction the 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 weird middle between that and the black codes was once we got the right we had rights to vote you know what i'm saying once we was finally set free and what did we do well we voted right and yeah and and that caused some problems and that was some problems (laughs) because we started putting it was like all black governments because there yeah. was more of us and we was like well you telling me i get a say as to who in charge well i want my uncle in charge because he ain't gonna whip me that man never owned me right yeah so it worked right mm-hmm. and once it worked fools was like hold on now wait this 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 working too good so they said okay now we can't have everybody vote you can vote if your grandmama could vote right which was like okay you, y'all follow what we're doing here. It's like, yeah, okay, it, hold on. It, it, I, I, I get it. That's like uh, very sneaky, but. <laughs> yes, yes. It's like, oh, so, uh-huh. okay. I see what you did there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. So so take that theory about like, oh, crap, it actually works, was the same. Well, the Panthers realized, it's like, wait a minute, we had a right to bear arms. Yeah. And y'all don't. Yeah, thanks to the uh, this, the first Civil Rights Act, there was that's what like, because initially after emancipation, there was like a whole a year or two where it was like well they still don't there's nothing that guarantees these people rights even though they've been emancipated and then congress was like okay fuck you like yes yeah okay exactly yeah yeah, exactly and yeah so after that point yeah and this was like not it didn't start with the panthers because there's like um 
what was it? That it was in 1919 when there was like that series of like mass lynchings and stuff. Like yeah, there's the a Rosewood long history. Stuff, yeah. yeah, of like uh, uh, black communities being like, we have a right to bear arms and all these people want us dead. We should probably get We guns. should get some guns. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying? So like, like, don't think we pacifists. You feel me? Like, yeah. I'm a pacifist across your face. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's right? no pacifist. No, <laughs> if, if you've had like members of your family murdered in the woods by mobs, you're, you, you can't really be a pacifist. No, you're going to carry guns. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so you're going to do something. Something, yeah. right? So, yeah. So, you know, we was, you had open carry laws. We was like, all right, well, you said we could have them, so we finna have them. And they said, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. We mm-hmm. don't want y'all to have them. Yeah. That's, <laughs> Whoa, what made you think you guys wait, <laughs> this, you, had this right? Yeah, We, we didn't think this through. So, mm-hmm. so uh, you know, the NRA changed their tune once the, uh, once the Panthers started actually listening yeah. to what y'all had to say. And there was a there's an article that just came out today as we record this in Salon that was like, um, let me I have it pulled up here because it it was a pretty incredible, pretty incredible title and an example of like, hey, guys, maybe rethink the way you're framing something. Yeah. Um, Where is this? Okay, yeah. So there's this article in Salon. When Ronald Reagan's racism saved lives, armed black men meant immediate gun control. Now, they deleted that tweet and I think renamed or maybe even cut the article. I haven't checked, but like, oh, my guys, God, you could just not say that. Yeah, there's yeah, a this... lot you can say about gun control that isn't that. Yeah, <laughs> we don't need to make that point. Hey, man. You, you, yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not maybe, say everything that pops that. into your <laughs> noggin, you know? It's this thing that, keep, like, you you catch this, and again, not to say that it, obviously it's not racist to, like, look at children getting massacred in a school and being like, the fuck, we, we have to be able to do something. Like, yeah. I'm not making that claim in any way. But you do, there is this strain of, like, liberals who will repeatedly bring up, like, well, you know, if we just gave every black man an AR-15, there'd be gun control. And it's like, guys, that's not really... That's still that's not pretty, really the thing to hit, you know. Like still pretty racist, dog. Like you I don't guys, I don't know if you know that. Still you don't pretty need racist. to make that point. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. So yeah. So yeah. in come the Panthers. They change their story. There's this coup, like a literal coup in 1977 with this mm-hmm. guy Harlan Carter, who essentially yes. radicalized. He took over the leadership, which I wish I I would have known what that looked like. Like practically like how did that actually look oh i can tell you that oh you can don't go into much detail about this in the in the the show but yeah so it's the way the nra worked is like and in the it's not like specifically the nra the the nra is like a type of organization that there's like a legal framework for in the united Mm -hmm. states and it's one example of that um like people will bring up a lot that um they didn't cancel their uh, their membership meeting in uh, I think it was Colorado after the uh, after Columbine. Yeah. Um, and a thing that like the NRA defenders will note in kind of like its defense is that like, well, it's legally required for us to hold a voting meeting and to yeah. give people X number of days of like warning bef- about like where it's going to be. Yeah. So we couldn't change the meeting, but like we canceled a bunch of anyway, whatever. Mm-hmm. There's like a, a type of structure uh, for an organization that the NRA is. Okay. And one of the things that means is that you have this like managing council, basically a board of directors, right? And you mm-hmm. have some like elected officials who are, run the NRA. And uh-huh. as a general rule, they're in charge of of like what the NRA does and says, right? Okay. But you also have a group of lifetime members and the lifetime members get a vote, right? And it's kind of like 
you, if you can get enough lifetime members to like agree to motions in the room during this yearly meeting, they can pass motions and whatnot without the 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 board of directors type organization or the elected officials wanting that or saying that right Mm -hmm. it's kind of like you know you could it it, like it's almost like they have kind of a a republic democracy sort of set up yeah but there's also this you could the the people you know the people who are lifetime members can do a um um, can do like a, uh, what's the fucking term when you like just poll the electorate on something and make the, make a law based on that. Um, I don't know. It's like a plebiscite, right? Okay. Yeah. So if you can, if you can whip and this had not really ever been done before, right? Like it was, mm-hmm. it was like, it was kind of like a procedural thing where like, oh yeah, technically they could like all vote and just add things to like the NRA charter directly and like dismiss the board. It's possible, but like it never mattered, right? Like what yeah. mattered was who was on the board and who was like the, the elected leaders at that point mm-hmm. and whatnot. And so it was very much like a, there was this kind of like gentrified aristocracy that was running yeah. the NRA. And Harlan Carter and this other fucking dude who is a, 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 a popular editor for a bunch of different gun magazines mm-hmm. got together and whipped a bunch of, of, of votes, right? Like they would, they spent like the entire year beforehand going around to people, going around to different lifetime members, prominent folks within the NRA community, people who were like kind of celebrities within that world and getting them to get their friends on board. And then they like rented a bunch of hotel rooms during the event and spent days like getting all of their people in line for the big voting meeting. Wow. Um, and then when it happened, basically they they just put enough people who agreed with them in this massive room where they were doing what was supposed to be kind of a pro forma vote thing to like decide on, you know, a couple of minor, it is not, not even minor. There was like a, a, they wanted to, the NRA old guard wanted to put together like a sporting center in Colorado, uh-huh. um, which these guys didn't like because they saw it as like a move towards the NRA as just a sporting organization as opposed to a second amendment organization. So they got all these people together in the room and like mobbed them and mm-hmm. fucking, it was, um, you know, they basically swarmed them and had so many people there that they were able to, to vote out the old guard and uh-huh. to like vote in a bunch of things, including a statement that the NRA was a second amendment advocacy organization. Um, and Sheesh. like, yeah, took it over. Harlan Carter was running the NRA by the end of the meeting. He, yeah. he walked into the meeting having resigned from the NRA like a year ago and he left the meeting in charge. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Look, and, and that, that is like, that is a masterclass in how to do politics. What mm-hmm. you just laid out. That's a master class in politics. He, he did the thing that the right always does, which is yeah. they like look at what the, the, the letter of the rules and then figure out a way that those haven't been used yet so that people won't expect them to like take power in that way. Right. Damn and hall they, monitors. They, they do it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, dude. So, yeah. So that fool did that. Um, little story about him when he was a teenager. He mm-hmm. shot a little Mexican boy, uh, got away with it. Yeah, Ramon Cassiano. Um, yeah. Uh, 15, when he was 17. When he was 17, he and shot a young. little 15-year-old. He used to lead the U.S. the U.S. Border Patrol. He started Operation Wetback, you heard me. Yeah. He started Operation Wetback, right? So this militarization of our borders. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it's the birth of, like, the idea, not just of, like, a border patrol, but yeah. of a border patrol that's militarized and that can act anywhere near a border. So, right, Any, not yeah. just the southern border, but... Anywhere within a hundred miles of a border, which is like two thirds of the U.S. population, there was just a Supreme Court ruling today on um, 
Bivens, which is like a uh, this kind of precedent case that basically mm-hmm. the Supreme Court said, actually, we don't think the federal government can regulate what what uh, the Border Patrol does in any way. Like, Damn. That was essentially their claim that like, well, yeah, Border Patrol like busts into your house. They don't need a reason. Um, wow. Yeah. Like it's it's a pretty fucked ruling. We'll see how exactly it shakes out. I don't want to get into too much detail because I'm not a lawyer and the ruling just came out. But like, he's the start, like all of these fucking problems that we have with CBP, which is easily like our worst law enforcement agency. um, Start with Harlan Carter. Yeah. The, man, I got to think about that. Yeah, it's pretty not great. (sighs) That's not dope. But yeah, the, 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 you know, slanging tanks to cops and, Obviously, we have this like, you know, you we have this bloated spending in our military, you know, mm-hmm. for for like wars they not fighting, right? And you just got all this like, yeah, like insurgents fighting surplus stuff that you got to try to get your money back from, and you just sell it to cops, right? So when you sell it to cops, and then what we talked about, you know, who we, I, I, we, I know I still get messages to this day about the behind the police thing. Oh God, um, yeah. But yeah, like that's a super dope, like recruiting video. If it's like, dude, you want to, you want to shoot, you want to shoot a desert eagle? You know what yeah. I'm saying? You want to drive a tank? But you're afraid to go overseas to fight a war. Yeah, people come get to shot the police. Yeah. yeah, you could die over there. These people don't shoot back. You know what I'm saying? So it's such a great uh, recruiting thing. But anyway, you could trace that back to this fool, Harlan Carter. Harlan Carter. Guys, yeah. I wish somebody would have slapped the shit out of him at some point. I mean, it's it's the kind of thing where like he he grows up. His dad is so. This is one of the things the the U.S. Mexican border, as as it is now in like the way that it is conceived of and thought of by people, mm-hmm. maybe is like a hundred ish years old, right? Yes, um, because it used to just be like this area where people lived and uh, technically it was the border between two countries, but also like it took fucking, if you were like in the government in Austin in Texas, it took like days or weeks to get out there. Right. Yeah. Like there were not like realistic concerns about immigration for a while because it was just like not within the state's capacity to really worry about too much. Yeah. This starts to change in the early 1900s. Um, and one of the first, like one of the thing that Harlan's Carter's dad is a part of, cause he's one of like the very first border, border patrol agents. There's a c- city called Laredo, which is where he mm-hmm. grows up and where he kills Raymond Cassiano. Yeah. It's like a border town and it's primarily Mexican. Um, and it's, so, and, and because it's primarily Mexican, it's run by Mexicans, right? Yeah. Because um, it was Mexico. Yeah. Two decades ago. Yeah. yeah they, like, and, and, and nobody really thought much about nobody it. Nobody thought about bo- it. Yeah. The border patrol sends a guy in and he's like, holy fuck, all these Mexicans are in charge down here. Um, and like the border patrol is friendly with the local police who are Mexican. We got to change that. So they like clean house at the border patrol. They send in guys and the border patrol like does drive by shootings of the police station. It's um, so, so, so like, absurd. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's fucking gang shit. Yeah. Um and they take over. Like they take over the town in order to like force a a a, a white a supremacist border, yeah. kind of like system over it, right? And Harlan Carter's dad is the one doing that right at the same time that he murders a Mexican kid 
um, claiming that he thought the kid had stolen his mom's car. Like this kid is out by a swimming hole, by the way, when this happens. So that's like Harlan Carter. Like this was not like an accident. Harlan no. Carter was a was a conscious soldier of white supremacy um, going out of his way to to do it better. Um, and he was good at what he did, um, which is not great. Not great at all. Whew. Anyway. Anyway. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Mother's Day is coming, and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. So NRA and they're going to take it from our cold, dead hands. Thanks, Charleston Heston, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, which, you know, brings us again more to the to the modern era where it became such a. uh, Again, an identity flashpoint as far as like, you know, it, it was almost like like you said, this single person voters thing, you could almost see this like mad. It's like this mad, like almost like hungry, hungry hippos. It's just like mad grab for what issues going to belong to what people. So like this identity around guns, it was just like Reagan and them was like, 
dips you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like that one's ours right yeah and after he started gun control in california after he started in, gun in control in california yeah. which is like just the most bizarre thing so anyway um it brings us to why in the world like how do you how do you get to a place where surveyed of republican gun owners who think that there are some laws that actually make sense, but won't nobody say nothing. Why can't we get our elected officials to do what your people is asking you to do? And it's easy to just be like, well, it's the NRA because yeah. it kind of fucking is. But what what do they got? Like, why y'all so scared of them? Like, that's that's one of the one of the interesting questions that, you know, we could ask about politics. Why are you so scared of them? Like what it, what they got that we don't. What's your guess? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's a it's a couple of things. So the mm-hmm. NRA after he takes over, I think it's seventy seven. Yeah. Um, the modern NRA. One of the moments that people will really say is like kind of the thing that like is a useful kind of chapter point in the history of the NRA is um I think it was 2000 when Charlton Heston you know yeah. holds that fucking ancient rifle up yeah. and says from the my cold, cold dead hands, hands. and yeah. again it's at one of those there was just an NRA meeting right like it's it's one of those yearly members meetings yeah. that he does this um that's generally picked as as kind of the moment and and part of why is that you have Carter steers it towards second amendment like absolutism and they start building on that they become very effective at lobbying but they're not immediately effective and in one of the areas in which you can see them being like less effective than they became is that in 1994 the assault weapons ban passes right yeah um a lot of debate over the degree to which it worked um there were less mass shootings under it actual gun violence not really different uh, yeah. as a result of it like overall this gets into broader questions of like what gun violence actually looks like versus what gun violence tends to get on the news Mm -hmm. um, because AR-15s are not a particularly common gun used in gun violence compared to small handguns, which is like nearly the vast majority. But anyway, that's outside of the point. The assault weapons ban gets passed in 1994. Um, It is passed. A lot of other stuff is happening, including you have Waco, you have Ruby Ridge, you have the Oklahoma City bombing in this kind of period immediately before and after the AWB. So a lot of what happens with that is tied into the militia movement. A lot of the militia movement um, is kind of born in the shadow of the assault weapons ban. Hmm. Um, and the Republicans kind of, it it it's it takes, you know, it, it's, in, it's law for about a decade, um, for a decade. And then it comes up basically for renewal in 2004. And by the time 2004 comes around, in that decade, the NRA has kind of solidified its position as the most effective fundraising arm of the Republican Party. Yeah. Um, a few years, like 12 years after that, they'll give $30 million to Donald Sheesh. Trump's campaign. At Just, least, right? And like, you know, it's hard to actually know how much they give. Yeah. The bag is um, too big, though. Yeah. The bag is huge. They give a lot, fuckload of money to George W. Bush. And so yeah. George W. Bush does two things. One, he does not... Uh, his administration, there's no attempt to renew the assault weapons ban. Um, and then the other thing he does, like the next year, there's a, a push by the NRA to 
put through this like law that makes it impossible, basically makes it impossible to sue gun manufacturers for what's done with their guns. Um, and there's a couple of other things that happened in a similar time frame, including Republicans, and this is in the late nineties, early two thousands, strip all funding from the CDC to research gun violence. Um, and to research like what happens, like what, do yeah. gun, what, what is the health impact of guns writ large? Right. Um, so all of this stuff is happening in this kind of decade after the passage of the assault weapons ban, which really, uh, accelerates the growth because they have this, the, the AWB is seen as, this is proof that they're coming for everything, right? Like this was the yeah. first, um, you'll get a lot of statements like uh, registration means confiscation, all this kind of stuff. Sometimes not helped by democratic politicians who will literally say they want to confiscate all guns. Yeah. Um, but you get this, the, that decade is is really, and Carter is dead by this point, mm -hmm. but he he builds the machine that makes that decade of, activism and this is really yeah. that that 10-year period 1994 to 2004 is the most effective period in the nra's history yeah. um they're influential after that but obviously in the last couple of years they've started to fall apart as an organization so really carter builds this machine and he hands it off to wayne lapierre and from 1994 to 2005 or 6 it really it lays a lot of the groundwork for making it kind of impossible to have yeah. not to have conversations about gun control that are productive or to pass laws that are productive. Yeah. Because in 2000, you get Emerson v. United States, which is the first Supreme Court case that makes it that that recognizes the uh, the second as an individual right. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not really clear entirely what that means until D.C. versus Heller in 2008. And one of the things D.C. versus Heller says is that, like, you can't. You can't just say people can't own a class of firearm, right? Yeah. Um, like a handgun, right? Yeah. Like you can't just say no handguns, you know? Yeah. Like like what Canada is attempting yeah. to do right now. Like you're not allowed to do that. And then in 2010, the Second Amendment gets incorporated. So really that like 1994 to 2010 is kind of the most important period of actual things the NRA accomplishes. And uh -huh. because of rampant corruption on behalf of LaPierre, they start to fall apart after that. But the things that they've set up both legally and, and culturally – and the cultural stuff particularly started under Carter because he was yeah. a big absolutist. He was a big believer of they're coming for your guns. This is like part of a communist takeover. This is part of like people who are not white trying to take over the country. Yeah. And like we need these, you know, that um, that is is uh, yeah, that's what that's what goes down. Yeah. Man, thanks for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that uh, drying of the concrete that like this is the discussion. This is the only way we look at it. And if you look at this any differently, you out the set. Yeah. Is, is, is it, it took that decade to get there. And I'm even like tripping, like who's homie that just got like the homie that just got like, uh, you know, busted for corruption that was leading it. What's that homie's name? Oh, fucking Wayne LaPierre. Yeah. 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 That was Wayne LaPierre, but they still just, didn't they just read? They just he's read up in. his leadership. He's still yeah. in. Like he's, there's some good, there's a good podcast on um what happened in the NRA. One sec, I'm going to look this up because people should listen to it. Because uh, it, it it really goes into like how fucking corrupt and shitty he is. Yeah. But, but he's still in charge. And that, I think that, I think that is a credit to how effective Carter was yeah. at turning the NRA into an unparalleled like political power. yeah we've really never seen nothing like it that like yeah you no matter what anyone actually thinks or feels 
you got to toe the line and you can't, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, and that, and the idea of like turning an issue into your very identity mm-hmm. is a power that I feel like uh, uh, for this is like why hood politics exists. Cause it's like, yeah. we understand that. I understand how that happens. You know what I'm saying? Is that an issue becomes an identity and yeah. to break that is very, very, very difficult. And another thing that the NRA does that Democrats have never understood, and I don't know if they ever will, is the political value of setting the definition because they're they're the worst at this. They're unbelievably, irresponsibly shitty. And this is a thing, I was a debate kid, right? Mm -hmm. When when you're doing a competition debate, you start with your definitions, right? And there's the the logical argument to be made. If you're having an actual friendly debate over issues with like somebody that you care about and you're both willing to like learn something, it's very helpful to start with, here is what I mean when I say- Define your terms. the, The first, you know, whatever, First Amendment. Here's what I mean when I say like, government like liberty or whatever like here's yeah. what i mean when i say here's what i mean when i say a red flag law right yes here's what when, when i say red flag law this is what i'm this is what i mean about, right if you're having a good faith discussion it's useful to do that because then you're not arguing against a shadow right like i think we've all been in a situation where you're like having an argument with somebody you care about and then you realize that you're not actually disagreeing you just are defining yes different the same thing in different ways yes. and so like that's where the argument's coming up that happens between yeah. people of goodwill if you're not a person of goodwill, if you want to just like fuck the discussion, then you and they, again, the right does this with everything. You hop in and you say a red flag law means a law that will allow the police to take guns away from Republicans because they yeah, yeah because they believe in this or they believe in that. Or like the, they'll define, you know, that is a a. Um, and, and this is, again, part of what's toxic about this is that it, it makes it impossible to have important discussions. So an important discussion about a red flag law is, okay, we're saying we want to take guns away from people who are violent, people who make threats. Um, let's make sure this law is written in such a way that the police cannot just say, well, I think being a BLM organizer is evidence you that you're mentally yeah. unstable. So let's go bust into this guy's house and take his gun. And oh, he got shot. That's a real fear. Yeah. Right? It's a real fear that they might say, oh, if you're trans, that's a mental illness. You don't get to have guns. That yeah. is a real legitimate fear. Yes. Absolutely. And of course, to be to be entirely fair, it's not unreasonable for conservatives to be like, well, if if you're going to make a red flag law, I want to know that you're not going to define a, my politics as making yes. me un, like that is not an unreasonable fear. But when you just say that's what this is and when you you start fear mongering about it, then there cannot be a discussion about it. Right. Because yeah. You have defined the yes. law in such a way that like this is and if you're. If you had more competent people who were Democrats about this sort of thing, they would be pushing against that. And I yeah. think doing stuff more like saying, "Let we want a law to take guns from people who hit their wives and kids, right? We Clear. want a law to take guns away from people who threaten mass shootings, right? Clear. That's what we want, right? Yeah. That's harder to to fight than like just saying, we want a red flag law. Yeah. I have to find a red, like, right? This is again, and this is what the, the NRA pioneers this. And now it's everything, right? Now it's... um. It, it, the, the like the, the yeah. right is in the process of defining support for LGBT rights as like support for grooming. As children, grooming, right? yes. It's like, like, yeah. If you say this, then that means you're that. And, and by the time yeah. you start arguing with them, because some chunk of people are going to get, are, are going to like get caught up in that and will start like being like, well, obviously I don't like this or I don't like that. And so like, this must not be okay. And so like, let's have a discussion about what stuff we should ban. And like, then you're on their side, right? Yeah. 
no matter what, even if you yeah. think you're being reasonable, you have yielded the floor to these fuckers. Yeah. Um, and that's that's yeah. And that's you're, really you're, like really that's like that to me. What you're saying is dope because that's like that's that's the type of training, like you said, like a lot of us need to have to where it's like I'm not gonna let you define my terms. And and it's this especially reigns true for Black people because yeah. you're now all of a sudden and i feel like black people is not letting you have it like mm -hmm. you can't define woke i don't care what the fuck you say it is that's yes. not what it is you know what i'm saying you can't define well, critical race theory you just telling each other that's what it means yeah we know that's not what it means i don't know what the fuck you talking about you know what, I'm saying? what they've done yeah. with sorry yeah but like that's incredibly important what you said yeah what they've done with critical race theory is the same shit it's the yes. nra playbook yeah. um and it, it makes it impossible. It makes it impossible for you to have a productive discussion and uh -huh. it makes it impossible for them to it makes it impossible for their voters to think about stuff. Totally. Like if you actually I mean, among other things. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. My biggest fight yeah. with that is most of the time is like you don't even know what it means. So I can't even I don't yeah. even know what we're arguing over. Like, because you yeah. don't know what it means. What you're saying is not critical race theory. What you're saying is teaching about history. You're scared like, of a boogeyman that isn't real. You're scared of a like, boogeyman that isn't real. And, 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 you and made that up and now you're going to engage with yes. it. It's not happening. Yes. Like what, what exactly. you are afraid of is not a thing. Yeah. And you need to like, you're just trying to, to justify censorship. Exactly. Right? Like that's the, that's the appropriate response, but they keep getting caught up. And this yeah. is, it's amazing. Again, one of the things that's important about studying Carter and studying the history of the NRA is this is a very old set of strat tactics. Super old. Um, yeah. And it, it it's um in a lot of ways, it's like early shit posting. Right. Right. Um, but you there's not they're not I, I haven't seen the fucking dims figure out a solution to this shit yet. Um, I, I think I know how, how to deal with it. Um, but it's also like. It, it's so much is caught up so much of like our potential to have a future is caught up in whether or not people who are in politics figure out how to deal with this bad faith shit. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't think they are. And part of it is that they have built their fundraising arm around the terms that the right has successfully defined to their people in a specific way. Yeah. Right. And so instead of having more productive discussions about some of this stuff and more, more productive discussions about like how to protect people, it all occurs within this kind of, this kind of framework of like catchphrases yeah. that are good at getting the base riled up and getting fun and good at putting together. You, it's, it's like this shit with like the governor of Louisiana, right? Democrat. Yeah. There's this anti-trans, you know, um, mm -hmm. kid uh, in sports law that just like got yeah. passed. He could have vetoed it. Instead, he ref he neglect. He said he was not going to veto it, but posted like a tearful video about how much he supports trans kids. Yeah, it's and like, like I'm sure he's gonna fundraise off that, right? Like, yeah, it's it's, it's gonna be fine. But you could do something. Yeah, yeah. I I I flashed to a moment years 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 back during the uh, the bathroom thing. You know, we was arguing over bathrooms. I remember there was a a lady at our church we used to go to that asked us, me and my, me and my wife. I'm like, hey, what do you guys think about the bathroom thing? We were like, it's fine. I don't care. Like, 
you're yeah, who gives a my shit? house right. is my house is a yeah. gender neutral value you ever been to a beach like those are yeah. all you like what are you talking about like this is stupid and i remember the way that she looked at me like her eyes got big and she was just like dude i told like whispering i totally agree i don't understand the big deal i don't like whispering like like afraid to say yeah i think this is yeah i don't understand what the hubbub's about and yep. i was like that's that's what i'm talking about like y- you know even 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 the stuff that's being defined to you as such you're like well that's stupid you know like okay so all of a sudden sexual assaults sexual assaults are going to happen if we have gender neutral bathrooms like as if sexual assaults don't already happen you know what i'm saying like so just this like hole in the logic that at your core you like well not even at your core just like in the front of your mind you like this will that don't even it it that don't bother me the way you telling me it's supposed to bother me so your question is am i tripping or are y'all tripping and what i want all my listeners to say to realize is like nah you're not tripping this is bullshit it really is and you ain't gotta like you ain't gotta you ain't gotta you ain't gotta tow they line you ain't got to tell they lie. If you honestly, especially around this thing, like don't be afraid to tell, you know, young seventh grade prop when your gang is chasing me. Hey, homie, you got to get out the bathroom because they going to jump you. And I think that's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, there's probably more that should be said about this. Yeah, I get like, you know. I, I come at this from a fundamentally different perspective than a lot of Democrats because I, I am something of an absolutist in the the right to self-defense and the right to be armed. Fundamentally, I don't think the cop should be able to own anything that I can't. Um, and I'm I'm not wild about the idea of a national military. No. Um, of a standing national military. But uh, – <laughs> Like I, I and you know, obviously, there's people on the left side of the the program movement who are absolutely no no compromise, no law type things. I'm not. Yeah. I, I tend to think there's shit you can do. Like I don't know. I, I I'm not against the idea of fucking like waiting periods inherently. I think there should be some option for like if you've already got a collection or a CHL. Like why would a waiting period apply to you? You already have guns. It's not like it's yeah. gonna matter. But like yeah, there's enough people who like buy a gun and kill themselves that that day, or enough people who like buy a gun like that fucking guy who shot up that hospital yeah. in the same day. And maybe if you could cool them down, right? Like again, there's there's stuff I think that can be done and and that should be talked about because even though. I don't think the overall, I don't think the fundamental solutions to the fundamental problems that we're talking about today, any of them will be done by voting or passing laws because Facts. it's too big, you yeah. know, like fundamentally you're dealing with fucking white supremacy here and you're not going to vote it out. Yeah. Um, and also I don't think you should stop people who are poor uh, or or like of normal income from being able to arm themselves, which is another thing Democrats keep proposing is like, yeah. well, let's put a thousand percent excise tax on an AR-15. So it's five thousand dollars. Well, that's OK. Absurd, so too. only rich people should have yeah, them, great. right? That's the is that what's going to make yeah, it? Yeah, better? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The kid at fucking Uvalde just got a credit card and bought like a three or four thousand dollar firearm and like managed it because he didn't care about paying it back. So like maybe we'll, let's talk about some other solutions here. <laughs> totally. Um, but um, yeah, so I have I come I come at this from like a different position, but I, I do think I think it's immoral to be like, let's just not talk about doing anything because uh, I don't like like it's people are fucking like 
Vivaldi, uh, Parkland, fucking Sandy Hook. Yeah. Like, it's fucked up to say, like, well, there is nothing that should be attempted here. Um, or, to, or to say, let's just turn schools into fortresses. I don't like that. That's not good for kids. Yeah, that's that not good for anything. So I, I think, like, I would love it if we could do something. Um, yeah. But also, I think it is, it's, it's also immoral to... It's immoral fundamentally, if you are the Demo- not a Democratic voter, but if you are a Democrat in power, it is immoral to not be fucking better at seeing what these people are doing and yeah. how they get away with what they're doing. Um, and Nailed the it. fact that it, they haven't for so fucking long, and it extends everywhere. It's CRT, it's the anti-trans panic, it's all yeah. the same playbook. You have to fucking understand what they're doing and and actually fight it effectively, as opposed to just use the fear of the fuckery that they're doing to drive people to like register to yeah. vote blue no matter who. Um, yeah. And if they were actually doing that, the right wouldn't be winning as often as they are. He preaching. That boy yeah. preaching. Nah, you right, man. It's like when you just trying to put your finger on Jello, you just gonna be chasing, chasing the globs, and that's basically what Democrats doing. They just mm-hmm. chasing these globs, playing whack a mole, and it's funny to watch in funny in a horrible way, in the sense that like they're just like, yeah, nah, keep chasing us. You know, you just you're just swinging a person around, you know, and laughing as you doing it. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, nah, nailed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you anyway. for that, Robert. Thank you. This was fun. Yeah, dog. Like, dude. I mean, everybody know who you are already. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got a, I got a, I got a, I got a book. It's called After the Revolution. You can find it everywhere right now, including on, uh, on, on the, the, the Amazons. If you, if you yeah. are so inclined. So Man, that book is very fun. Book. Thank you. I enjoy. It. Uh, you know, fun in a, in an entertaining, still pretty yeah. sad, but. Yeah, it was fun in an entertaining, still pretty sad way to write. Yup. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. And uh, Sophie right there. Get off Get off there, Sophie. Say what's, what's up. up. There it is. Mm-hmm. Sophie is the greatest at holding her tongue when she has comments. I've never seen nobody so good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, she sure does. Anyway. Well, that's the show. It'll probably be, this will most likely be the second part because this is over an hour. And uh, yeah. cause that boy Rob got hot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'ma have I'ma have uh I'ma have Matt play some organ hits under there. Dun dun. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Make you sound like a preacher. All right. Anyway, all right. Show's over. This here thing was recorded by me, Propaganda, in East Los Boyle Heights, Los Angeles, California. This mug was mixed, edited, mastered, and scored by Matt Osowski. I can totally say his name, guys. It was it was a shtick. He's going by Matt now again because he got into some legal situations with the name Headlights. Y'all know Common used to be called Common Sense. Y'all know Tip. T.I. was Tip. Sometimes it happens. Executive produced by the one and only Sophie Lichterman for Cool Zone Media and the theme music by the one and only Gold Tips, Gold Tips, DJ Sean P. So y'all just remember, listen, every time you check in, if you understand city living, you understand politics. See y'all next week.
With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.